Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Mindful Metal Jacket. Doing these intros really makes the weeks feel like they're flying right by. You know what I mean? Folks, you okay, babe? Just uh, randomly going into a little Dennis Miller. Uh, I apologize for that. Anyways, how are you doing? I hope you're doing well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you continue to listen. Uh, maybe you're fast-forwarding through this part. Sometimes people fast-forward through intros. I've listened to my own intros and wanted to fast-forward my life to the end of it um, because it's uh, embarrassing. But some people seem to enjoy them, so I hope you're one of those people. It is uh, Tuesday. You'll hear this on Thursday or later. You might hear this. There might not even be days anymore by the time you hear this. You could hear this in the future. Maybe you're hearing this. This was locked in a vault to remember what society was like before the Great War. And you're hearing this in the year 3841. I think there'll be people in uh, whatever that is. 38, uh, 1800 years from now or whatever. I can't do math. I don't know. It doesn't look good. I was pretty down yesterday. Really got down from watching the news. But, uh, you know, you got to be the change you want to see. Be in the moment. Control what you can control. All that stuff. You know, you try to be kind. Nice. Um, keep the faith. Keep the hope. You know, donate money to places that uh, do good things. That's what I'm trying to do. And um, spread a little mindfulness, a little happiness, maybe. Maybe that'll help. I hope you're doing the same. Uh, you must be a pretty good person, right? If you listen to this. Or maybe you're a shit person and you're trying to get better. Um, anyways, speaking of good people, nice people, kind people, my guest today is a comedian who is very funny, and um, I, I didn't really know her too well before recording, so that was interesting and uh, and delightful. Her name is Yet. Oh God, I'm so afraid to mess it up. I'm literally texting her right now on how to uh, pronounce her last name because we don't know each other that well, and uh, I almost screwed up her first name because we're texting last name. You know what I should do? I should just play her audio. She sent me an audio message. Oh, it seems to have disappeared already. I guess that's how they do it. They disappear these messages. Disappear is not a uh, verb. Anyways, I'm the worst. Her name's Athir Yakub. Athir Yakub. Uh, and she's great. She's a comedian. You should uh, check her out. Twitter, Instagram, <clears throat> all that stuff. I'm getting choked up just thinking about how great she is. Um, but we talked about it a little bit. I met her at a show, my friend Shafi, who I did uh, his podcast this week, and he was a past guest a few weeks ago. He's terrific. I hope you check him out. We, um, I did his show, and uh, she was there, and we, we chatted a little bit, and I thought, man, she'd be, she'd be perfect. And she was even more perfect than I realized. Um, she has studied, is studying, or I guess has studied. And, and completed studies uh, about mindful eating. And um, she's a nutritionalist, or she was anyways. I think uh, she's full-time comedy right now. But we talk a lot about food and diet. Um, hope you're into that. But it was really interesting about, um, you know, the stomach being a second brain. And we, we go, we talk a little bit about my diet because, of course, my uh, neurosis takes over. You'll hear all this. Um, but we talk about all that stuff and, and her growing up and anxiety, mindfulness, and there's a lot of great stuff in here. I really, really enjoyed the hell out of this conversation. And, uh, it was nice. I, like I said, I hadn't really known uh, a theater too well before or really at all. And, uh, we got to know each other and, uh, bonded over a lot of stuff. So, um, I felt good about that. And, uh, we both kind of agree we could have, we could have kept talking. It was really nice. So, uh, I hope you get a lot out of it too. I think you'll get some dietary advice and some mindfulness advice. And um, I hope that you take care of yourself as best you can. And so that allows you to take care of some other people as best you can. And we all take care of each other. Um, I think that's what we need to be doing. 
as best we can. So, um, yeah. Anyways, that's, uh, that's pretty much the intro. Let me give you a hot quote. Athir and I talked about Ram Dass, and as we're speaking right now, she just texted me a bunch of um, his stuff that I'm looking forward to reading. I always love um, reading his stuff and, and listening to him talk. He's a Boston boy, of course. He's one of the rare, you know, mindfulness Buddhist guys with a Boston accent, which uh, I love him for. Here's a quote from Ram Dass. Unconditional love really exists in each of us. It is part of our deep inner being. It is not so much an act of emotion as a state of being. It's not, I love you for this or that reason. Not, I love you if you love me. It's love for no reason. Love without an object. I don't know what the last part means. That's Ram Dass. This is me, Joe List, talking to my new friend, Athir Yakub. Enjoy. Let's start it. We're here. This is it. Yeah. Is that good? Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for doing it. I, I appreciate it. This is um, an interesting episode. You own a, a title of guest I know the least that's ever been on the show. <laughs> I am least honored and honored. That's the most honored at the same time. Yeah, that's a big honor. <laughs> I'm excited to get to know each other. That's a great honor, right? I mean... Well... Do you remember? I mean, I'm sure you remember. This was ages ago, but you were on my show. I don't know. It must have been six years ago. Shady Pines Comedy Hour. God. At Bunga's Den, back when that place existed. But that was like ages ago. Um, I'm just here to remind you of that. I don't remember any of this. Wait, so where was this? Was Where is it? 14th Street and 6th avenue there was like this weird bar called bunga's den and there was shows in the back room oh yeah 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 i remember that place there was like a glittery thing hanging back yeah the glitter yeah so mine was called shady pines comedy hour okay and you did a set one night oh great was it was it good was i nice it was killer yes okay great everyone loved it okay perfect was allison Libby on the show She's done it, so I don't know if she was on that same night. Oh, I, that's possible. I remember there being there with her. It's weird. I've now reached a um, age point thing where there's just full on shows that I have no recollection of. Not that I don't have. I mean, I remember that venue, but it's no. Uh, I totally get it. Even me, and I even haven't been doing it as long as you. But I'll I'll forget meeting people at shows, and they're like, "Hey, it's nice to see you again." I'm like. Yeah, you too. And I have no idea. Well, I always think I've been thinking for years. There's like, I think about like, um, like Keith Richards must have, there must be thousands of people that are like, that was the best night of my life. And he must be like, I have, I don't even kind of remember that. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Like those people are living in a totally different reality. I mean, we're all living in our own reality, I guess. Yeah. that's And that's what we're here to talk about. Okay. So this is it. So i Saw you recently at Shafi's show, who's a past guest who I love. Mm-hmm. And I just did his podcast, which I feel like is going to be controversial because we talked about 9-11. Everything I said, I was like, oh, God, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to... This is horrible. You're like, it's an inside job. No, I said the opposite. <laughs> of that, but I mean, I'm like... Uh, anyways, that was a whole... I mean, I'm always, I mean, this speaks to anxiety and mindfulness. I'm always worried about what everyone's going to think and who's going to hear what. And then all these podcasts live on forever. So it's like someday you... You're in a movie and then someone pulls up, you know, a clip of you talking about 9-11 being like, well, maybe we deserved it, <laughs> and then, you know, and then it's the news, whatever. Um, and then you're canceled. Exactly. So anyways, I saw you at his show and you mentioned that you had, what did you, you listen to this podcast or? Yeah, I started listening to this podcast uh, like a couple of months ago and it's been getting me through the pandemic. And I was really relating to a lot of things that you and Shafi, especially were talking about uh, mindfulness and stoicism. So, um, I know Shafi mentioned he has a PDF and I messaged him like 8am. I was like, Hey, send me a copy. So I started reading it. And then I 
recently finished this really great book. I think I was telling you about called Emotional Agility, which has totally, even though I've heard these things in so many different ways, but it kind of distilled it for me in a way that resonated. Um, I don't know why, but it just kind of clicked. And maybe it's just a year of therapy with other things kind of like clicking in the moment where I am in my life. Because my therapist is like, yeah, I've been telling you this the whole time. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. But the way she said it, it just really like <laughs> hit home for me. Yeah, that's one of the weird and tricky and difficult things with all this stuff is you can hear something over and over again for years. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the really, um, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts at once here, which happens a lot on this show, but that's one of the strangely, um, I don't know, I want to say tragic, but sad, strange things about life is, you can hear something a million times. People like with kids or raising kids or being an uncle or whatever it is, or even young, young comics, people can tell you exactly what you need to hear the wisdom, the whatever information. And it just doesn't get through until it gets through. And sometimes it is frustrating. Your ego comes through sometimes where you're like, someone reads a book and you're like, that's what I've been saying to you. And you have to just go, ah, I just needed it from somebody else. As long as I took it in. Yeah. Yeah. I think even my therapist had to be like, well, um, putting my ego aside. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, I get it. Like we all were like, I've been saying this to you, but yeah, you have to hear it in a million different ways um, until it clicks. And it just, you never know, you know, some, it's just like music sometimes, like not every song is going to re- resonate with you, but d- depending on what's going on um, with your life in that moment, one message might like really like hit home. But even if you've heard it a million times, but in that moment, there's something going on with you that relates to what's happening. So then it really like in real time, you can connect to it. Well, I like that, um, analogy because sometimes this will happen where there's a song I know for years. I mean, basically like you said, and sometimes it takes someone else loving it. Like I'll be in a car and a song comes on and it's a song I've heard a million times. And I was like, I never got into that too. Maybe I like the band, but not that song. And someone just cranks it. And they're like, oh, dude, this is the best. And I'm like, wait, you think it's the best? Maybe I was missing something. And you do after that be like, shit, this song is killer. I just wasn't seeing it. And it's the same, I think, with... It's like a fresh perspective. Yeah, exactly. Somebody else says that that piece of wisdom works great for me. So I'll <laughs> take it. Now, what is the emotional agility book that you're talking about? What What was it about and how did it hit you? Yeah. So it's by Susan David, who's this Harvard psychologist. So I guess, you know, she's got some credibility there. (laughs) And uh, she talks about how, you know, you know, we hear about positive psychology and I was all for like positive psychology, you know, you know, reframing your negative thoughts, making them positive, you know, all of that. And her thing is like, stop pushing down your negative thoughts or even thinking of your negative, not negative thoughts, but emotions, let's say, um, which I guess are related to our thoughts too, but she's saying instead of like pushing down your negative emotions, use them as data to understand what you need in the moment. So I've been trying to practice this, for example, instead of if I'm feeling kind of sad, just randomly, and I can't really relate that to a trigger or anything happening. I'm like, okay, well, why am I feeling sad right now? Let's not push this emotion down or ignore it, but let's just use it as let's troubleshoot. Am I, you know, sad because you know, sometimes sleep is a big one. So there's like a, a whole, whole self-care list of like just physical things that you sort of have to make sure aren't affecting your mental health, but, or any like main triggers and then using it like, okay, if I'm sad, am I lonely? Okay. If I'm lonely, let me make plans with a friend or let me call somebody up. Or if, if am I anxious? Um, let's see, have I not eaten? Have I not slept? Have I, you know, let me just figure out what, or do I need to just sit with it? Do I, have I meditated? Have I gone for a walk? So just sort of using it instead of identifying with it, um, just really using it. And what resonated with me, unlike all of the other ways I've heard it is rather than just, you know, accept your feelings, whatever they are. And that's what kind of everything distills down to acceptance of everything around you, what's happening. But that for some reason with negative emotions or wasn't enough for me, the fact that you could actually use it in your favor is how it like totally like spun it for me. I'm like, oh, I'm not just kind of like keeping it like at bay and just sitting with it. Now I can actually use this to make the situation better. And if not, then, then you kind of sit with it. But if there was just something more empowering about it. 
than the way I've heard it in other ways. Yeah, no, that, I mean, that's getting through to me now um, in this moment. That's great because I have a lot of that just accept it or say yes instead of fighting because I mean, so much suffering comes from... Um, from fighting these things and lack of the judgment around it. Yeah. yeah, And identifying with those thoughts of like, I am a sad person instead of just being like, I am experiencing sadness right now. But yeah, I haven't heard it that way of like, let me use it as sort of data um, to kind of find a solution. Um, In sobriety, we say we use halt, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I use that for like, I think I told you I also have background nutrition. I was also nutritionist. So that's something I also use the halt. Yeah. Hang, uh, am I hungry? Am I hangry or both yeah. <laughs> hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? And I guess that could apply to anything. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, cause I mean, with drinking, it's like, I'm going to drink, you know, 500 beers cause I'm one of those things. Um, uh, so I want to get into, I mean, there's so much, um, to get into here, but you mentioned the nutrition thing, which is something that, uh, I is one of the things that's really dogged me through my whole life is horrible nutrition. And, and there's some <laughs> people, cause I, I started talking about, anxiety on my podcast people know that i eat like shit i've gotten so many people messaging me being like there could be and i don't know how much i agree with but maybe you can shed some light on this because my therapist comes from a school that everything's learned behavior and that's where emotions and feelings are coming from but a lot of people have told me about my stomach fauna and floral or whatever the hell (laughs) your gut microbiota and your exactly (laughs) but i mean that seems a little insane maybe i'm wrong and you study this but i'm like it seems a little insane of and i think sam marill wrote a joke about it which i'm jealous of but the idea of like (laughs) i'm i'm depressed or suicidal or sad or anxious because i had spaghetti instead of you know romaine lettuce seems a little insane but maybe there's something to it maybe you could talk about that yeah, well, that is funny as a joke for sure. But if you, I mean, the the boring, more like you know, science driven version is that yeah, the the gut is called the second brain. So just like you have you know serotonin and all the you know endorphins, everything that your brain produces and melatonin, there's also um, it's called the gut brain connection. So when you eat something, it produces certain hormones that then communicate back to your brain. So there is like a kind of a, there is a connection between the gut and brain, both hormonally, there's a bi-directional pathway. Um, And then certain foods that you eat, like carbs and sugar and like all the good stuff, those act like drugs in your brain. Like if you see like, if you go and do like an fMRI on your brain, you'll see those reward centers light up the same way drugs and alcohol do. So they're actually called like endo opioids. So they're kind of like your, they turn into kind of like that drug in your brain. So that's why sugar is so addictive and so hard to cut back. Yeah. So, so, but what is that? um, How does that look in my day-to-day life, my um, anxiety or stress? So I, I sometimes, I mean, I just was on a trip to the Jersey shore and the beach, no one wants to eat healthy at the beach. In my estimation, the beach to me is tater tots and hot dogs and ice cream (laughs) and cheeseburgers. Even it's not even like warm out. It's 60 degrees and it's freezing on the beach, but you still on the boardwalk, you want to eat, you know, uh, whatever cookies and shit. So, I mean, am I directly, I mean, I am anxious and down today. I thought it was because of the state of the, our society, but could it be because I had, um, you know, a cupcake yesterday and a bag of spaghetti, bowl of spaghetti? Well, I think if you just did that, like once in a while, I don't think that's like a direct, like you're going to eat that stuff. And you, sometimes you do immediately feel bad, but I think the problem that, um, that we have is that we're just not in tune with how things make us feel to begin with. So I think if you really sat down and were kind of like mindfully, you know, thinking about how you feel like a couple hours after eating the pasta, like for example, you had a pasta and ice cream and whatever, versus if you had a nice like salmon and, and kale, for example, and just assess how you feel, you know, maybe a couple of hours later and then over the course of a week. So it's really hard to, you know, to assess just from like one or two bad nights. Like I try to like practice like the 80, 20 rule, like 80% of the time you want to try to eat clean, healthy, 
you know, unprocessed, blah, blah, blah. And then 20% of the time is where, you know, you can eat some junk. I do not eat perfectly by any means, but I do try at least the majority of the time to be better because it's also not realistic or sustainable to be like, I'm just never going to eat, you know, another pizza again or donuts or whatever. So how does the balance work? So and I've gotten some uh, blowback on this, but I'm like, I have a smoothie every day. I put a ton of spinach. I think I consume more spinach than anybody outside of Popeye, folks. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I have a, a, a ton of spinach, blueberry, banana, almond milk every day, a big smoothie, like uh, 24 ounces. And it's just, I go through an entire container of spinach every couple days. And that's got vitamin K and fiber and stuff. And um, I'll eat, you know, some oatmeal and I exercise and I meditate, but then I might eat uh, a chicken parm or uh, a chocolate chip cookie here and there. Is there a balance? Can, does that spinach still help me or am I, is it ruined because, uh, you know, I had a cheeseburger, which I don't eat that it's many. It's all ruined. That's it. <laughs> um, <laughs> don't even eat the spinach anymore. Um, there has to no, be some. It definitely helps. I think it's, I think just trying not to, you know, have something that heavy, you really want to try to focus on like Protein foods are really good, like, you know, whether you're vegetarian or plant-based protein. I mean, plant-based protein with vegetarian or if you eat, if you're a normal person, just kidding. Um, <laughs> I actually try to eat like kind of mostly vegetarian and have some sort of protein. But basically, if you're not just eating carbs and junk like every day and the balance is really up to you, it's like what's sustainable, you know, so it, it's really it goes back to what you can do on a regular basis. Cause some people can do the extreme. They're like, I'm vegan. I can like exercise two hours a day. That's great. That works for them. But I say just everyone needs to kind of go at their own pace and, and set goals are realistic. Right. And how much of that, like where does exercise come into this? And then maybe this isn't your expertise, but, um, I eat, I mean, I stopped, I eat a cheeseburger now. What now I'm just going through what I eat. This is, so this has turned into, this is where anxiety comes in. I now am mindful, mindfulness of the fact that I am now just looking for positive reinforcement from you that I'm not dying. And that's what I need to catch myself. And this is where mindfulness practice helps me because now I just want you to be like, no, I think you're fine. That's what I'm looking for in this. You're fine. So I should change Joe, this you're line fine. question. I've heard you talk about your diet on the podcast and I've heard you talk about like your running routine and everything. You're fine. I feel like it's okay. Send me your blood results later and I'll take a look. <laughs> I should. So is that something you do? I mean, are you like, in a, a, do you have a doctrine? Is that what you say? No, a doctrine. <laughs> I, uh, I created my own doctor. No, I'm a registered dietitian. Okay. So. And I have a certification in mental health and integrative like medicine. So that's not as like, that's not a doctor, but um, I have a master's in nutrition. So I quit my job recently uh, to pursue this great, great career of ours (laughs) just in the middle pandemic. Um, But I do still like see people um, pay the bills, keep a roof over my head. But that is, yeah. So basically what we do is I would like, you know, talk about your diet, like what you normally eat, your lifestyle, your exercise, what your goals are and any kind of blood work and then how we can make that better through holistic changes. And then if people are interested, I also am like a mindful eating coach. So if people are interested in doing like having a better relationship with food or stop binge eating or having emotional eating or stress eating, that's like an area that I'm particularly interested in because it's one, you know, something I can apply to myself and two, it goes together with living mindfully, uh, mindful, mindfully, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Mindfully. That sounds right. Uh, oh, that's a word. what did you eat this morning? That might be throwing off your speech patterns. Ooh, <laughs> I think so. I think it's this tea I'm drinking anise tea, which is like nature Xanax. So it like really like chills you out. I think I was like anxious about this. I'm like, I'm going to, going to have some tea. That's, that's going to get me through this. What did I eat? I had um, half a pita with uh, light laughing cow cheese and a hard boiled egg sliced in there. Okay. And cu- and Persian cucumbers. Now, what? tell me about my breakfast. This is my breakfast every day. Go easy on me. I get a whole wheat bagel and organic peanut butter. That's my breakfast. And then the smoothie. Right. It's not, is that horrible? Just with the smoothie just seems like maybe a lot of carbs. Like maybe you want some more protein. For breakfast, like the and then keep in mind a bagel. One bagel is like four slices of bread. Yeah, it's a lot of bread. So bread is like but the enemy. You run a lot. 
<laughs> I do run. I do MMA. I mean, I have a good metabolism. I This is what's so confusing sometimes is like there's people like Jay Leno, by all accounts, just eats fast food. His whole, I don't know Jay personally, but this is what I understand. I've been told he's just eat, eating fast food his whole life. My, you know, I got my parents eat like shit. There's people that eat like shit and they live to 80 or 90, but maybe they're unhappy or not. But the quality uh, of life yeah. and how do they feel? You know, are they, do they feel energetic or are they sort of like sledging through life? Right. I do feel tired a lot. Uh, but we'll do an assessment for you. <laughs> you can, <laughs> we'll set up an appointment. But it's, it's so fucking difficult to eat well. Like, I mean, like I, I went through a period it where is, I had yeah. reflux. So I ate like no carbs for a while or whatever, whatever that's called. Um, uh, keto. I did like a keto ish yeah. for a while. And I, I, I mean, I popped three blood vessels trying to shit and, I lost more weight than I want. And it's just tricky. And then you're hungry all the time. It's so hard to um, eat well. And obviously I came from a, a, I guess a time or a family where it was just fast food all the time. Uh, uh, That's where you get a nutritionist to sort out your life. Um, Also, most people don't know this, but your insurance, like, I mean, if comics are listening, I'm sorry, ignore this part about insurance, but it covers a certain number of like nutrition sessions. So people don't even realize like it's part of your preventative care, like just like getting a physical and all this stuff. But I think like a lot of people don't even realize like that they have access to a lot of, um, you know, healthcare providers and don't really take advantage. Also, a lot of people, I mean, it is hard to eat healthy, but I think, you know, what drew me to this podcast and a lot of other like mindfulness kind of mental health stuff is that, you know, seeing other people really put in the work because it's work, it's work. If you want to feel better and you want to live a good life, it's not, doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Um, one of, one of my favorite quotes from uh, emotional agility from Susan David's book that I've like put as a daily reminder is discomfort is the price of admission to a meaningful life. Okay. Let me hold on. I got to say that again. Discomfort. Yes. Is the price of admission to a meaningful life. Oh, wow. I mean, that's kind of like, um, who said, uh, um, um, an examined life an unexamined life isn't worth living. Was that Plato or mm-hmm. uh, Socrates or one of those? One of those, those assholes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what does that mean? So we got to be uncomfortable, like eating fish, or what? What are we talking here? <laughs> Meaning nothing comes without a price well, and a trade-off. Right. So a little bit of discomfort. So it's like, what are you willing to give up to get to this goal? Is what it boils down to at the end of the day. Yeah. What are you willing to do? Not just give up, but replace, do whatever to get to where you want to be. Right. I feel like I, 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 for me personally, I quit soda. That's a big thing, right? Soda is like the worst thing. I mean, I haven't had one since February of last year. So that's pretty good. That's amazing. And I used to drink three or four a day. I mean, that's like one of the worst things in the world, right? Yes. That's the best thing you could do for yourself. Okay. And I quit, I mean, obviously alcohol and drugs. You don't drink. Yeah, exactly. You don't, you're good. You're, you're not, you don't have any, unless you have any other crazy vices or anything, your green tea, right? That's I took a lot of green tea. Now, what is there? You know about, you I'm study kidding. these things, but is, is green tea as healthy as they say? Cause I keep seeing things as like little things at the bottom of the article. It's always like, by the way, this is, we don't, we don't really know about this, but certainly people have been drinking it for thousands of years all over the planet. Yeah. What I think what's frustrating in my field is that I could read like a hundred studies and then it comes down to. Well, there's evidence that this may have beneficial uh, health effects. Uh, further studies need to be <laughs> done to have a conclusive, you know, it's always something like inconclusive because science is just like every day there's something coming out. So they can't be like, this is it forever. Right. But yes, for green tea is healthy. It's definitely, I mean, I have at least two, usually three, sometimes four cups a day. And I think that's good. And we can move off the food thing in a moment. But so what about this? I order a lot of... Um, burrito bowls it's a bowl and i'll get brown rice grilled chicken a little bit of cheese how's that i mean that's that's relatively healthy because people bust my balls for chipotle but i feel like rice and grilled organic chicken if you choose well at chipotle also they have their like menu like you can build like your own menu on there and it'll tell it tells you the calories and the nutrition facts so you can actually see i mean if it's not something outrageous, like a thousand calories. The problem is whenever we eat out, everything's like half your calories for the day for like one meal most of the time. And 
I don't know if people really pay attention to that, but you could, as long as you're not getting like the sour cream and tons of cheese and the guac, I mean, those three things would just um, make it like three times the amount of calories, but it doesn't sound like you're doing that. So toppings a lot of times, same with salads, people order salads and then drench it in like creamy dressing and the dressing is like half the calories. Right. Yeah. See, I, I just, it's so difficult to me without people, all of a sudden carbs became the enemy and it's so hard to be full without carbs. I I genuinely don't know how to do it. I'll have a Caesar salad with salmon, which I love. It's delicious. I love salmon, but I'm hungry within like seven minutes. Mm -hmm. We need carbs for sure. You need all three. You need your protein, your veg and your carb to feel like balanced. So keto stinks. Yeah. I don't like keto for the long term. It's not good for your kidneys too. Um, like if you're doing it from a weight loss perspective, for some people it works. Um, I mean, just generally speaking, I think it's hard to cut out that many food groups forever and never like eat another carb again. It just doesn't seem too realistic. And the moment you go back to my brother was doing this the entire pandemic, completely ignoring any advice I had given him and he's just eating keto every day and he's like struggling. And I'm like, dude, this is not helpful. The last time he did it within a week, he gained 15 pounds back. Wow. And he lost like 20 or something. I'm like, what's the point tormenting yourself for a couple of months and then you're going to gain it right back? Because they're not sustainable. Then people don't really learn how to change their eating habits. All you're doing is following something rather than making a gradual change that you can stick to. But then the moment you revert back to what you were eating, of course, you're just going to like put the weight back on if you don't have a strategy of how to like slowly bring that back into your into your diet. Right. So what's some advice that you can give and then we can move off the food thing. Just generally greens are good, right? Veggies and fruit. Lean and green, lean protein, chicken, fish, turkey, or plant-based stuff like beans, you know, lentils, like tofu. And then green vegetables are great for your mental health. They've got like, like, um, seaweed, uh, I know it sounds really upset. Kale, spinach, which you're eating a lot of, um, basically any greens, lean and green is kind of the motto and then have like, you know, some carbs, but not crazy amount. And tell me about fruit. Cause fruit is another now controversial. I'm a guy who has, I have no study whatsoever in food, but this idea that fruit is, is fucking Satan and lethal. I just don't, <laughs> I don't see it. I understand the sugar, but surely a natural blueberries from what I've read are one of the healthiest foods on the planet. Great mm-hmm. heart food. Um, I, I, I don't, I can't imagine anybody is, is dying from eating too many strawberries. Well, if you don't have a blood sugar problem, but if you have like, it can actually, if you have too, too much fruit, I mean like 10 fruits a day, like I, I try to advise people keep it to three to five fruits a day, because if you have too much, it can still raise your blood sugar. And someone who has like diabetes, if they have too much fruit, it will raise their blood sugar. Even though it's natural fruit, um, you can still have too much of. <laughs> I love that there's an ambulance. I know. I love that there's an ambulance coming through as you're. Can you hear that? As you're telling this, oh yeah, my God. it's outrageous. Oh yeah, because I got my my podcast mic and it's like picking up. And oh sure. It's it's a that's someone that ate too much fruit. Yeah, that's what's Are happening. Are you in the city? <laughs> Yeah, I'm on the Upper East Side. I live around like five hospitals. Oh, okay. Yeah, nice. Um, but yeah, so, and and okay, another food question. How much does it take to get diabetes, onset diabetes? Because some people, <laughs> people would always make jokes and I have so much anxiety. People are like, oh, you're going to be diabetic. This is when I was drinking a lot of soda. But I feel like I'm like, I don't know, I'm fit. I mean, I used to eat M&Ms all the time when I went to the movie theater and, and, and Coke. Uh, Am I in danger of getting diabetes? Because they say like 90% of people have, have, you know, pre-diabetes and shit. Yeah, a lot of, and most of the risk factors are related to people, you know, carrying a lot of abdominal fat. That seems to be a risk factor for most things. Like, so around your stomach area, that's a risk factor for heart disease and for diabetes. But, you know, you're a fit person if you, you're not carrying around a lot of body fat and you're not overweight or obese. Um, some people can get it if they're, thin if they're not eating healthily and if they have a genetic predisposition to it that's a big one too it just depends on your um you know if someone has diabetes in your family that obviously will raise your risk but generally speaking if you're staying healthy it's one of the most like preventable conditions and diseases um through diet and lifestyle and manageable so it's very preventable um for most cases uh i think just 
people end up like discovering it too late and doing something about it way too late. So it's better to kind of try to prevent it. And, you know, and when they see it become like pre-diabetes, like people should take it more seriously and not just kind of like continue doing whatever they were doing. But usually like weight loss, exercise, all of that, the more muscle mass you have, that kind of uses blood sugar muscles, almost like insulin. So it utilizes like blood sugar for energy. Um, so just work out, you know, do what you're doing. I don't know if I'm, I'm talking to you or the general public here. I feel like I want to assure you. No, I appreciate it. No. And I have to avoid that because again, this is one of my main mental issues that I talk about and deal with in therapy is I'm always looking for um, somebody to reassure me. And that's like the, the basis foundation of all of my mental health is this desire to have somebody go, no, it's going to be fine. You're going to live 85 years. Society will be fine. Climate change is not as big of a deal as you think. And everything's going to be fine. You and all your loved ones are going to be fine. And that doesn't exist, but I'm always looking for somebody to say, no, this is fine. That's good. That's good. And so sometimes I slip into that, which is more, um, mental health, but that's interesting. Cause I want to, I want to talk about that because you've sort of implied that maybe you have some anxiety, you go to therapy, but I'm mm-hmm. sitting here talking to you. You seem like, um, you know, like you seem very calm and you know a lot about food <laughs> and yeah, you're drinking some kind of Xanax tea. I don't know what that is, but so sometimes I talk to people that seem like they're experts in something, not seem like, I mean, you, you are, it seems like, I've just said seems again. I don't, I can't, confirm, I haven't seen your diploma. <laughs> I know nothing. I haven't, I'm an imposter. Yeah, no. I haven't seen this, uh, I get what you're saying. this registration that, or uh, whatever diploma you talked about, but <laughs> it just seems like in my mind, I'm like, oh man, she's got it all together, but you're running into problems in your life and you're mentally to some degree. Am I right about that? Oh, absolutely. I, I think it's always interesting when people say that to me, Joe, like I've talked to comics and we talked about mental health and depression and like medication. And they're like, really? Like you just, you seem like you have it put together. And I'm like, Oh, those like going to therapy and taking medication and like, like really like working on your health, make you not put together. And that kind of like, I know people like what they mean by that, like, not that's what you were saying now, but, um, I took what you were saying as a compliment. Thank you. But, and people say that also not meaning anything. They actually mean well by it. Like, Oh, you don't seem like you're like crazy and anxious and whatever. But for me, it like manifests in different ways. So I've gotten really good at compartmentalizing, like when I need to, like, you know, I, I work with people all day. Like if I'm like last year, I went through a devastating breakup. I broke off an engagement. It was awful. Just like, um, and I'd be like crying on the floor and then just like, I'd be on a call like, hi, this is a theater, blah, blah, blah. How are you? So I just kind of like had to click into this performance. Same with like stand up. same with anything. It's like, you sort of have to click in, but now like, one one major thing that helped me um, feel more calm now is I I quit my job, which was a big source of anxiety through the pandemic. And then the lot the last year since my like breakup till now, which I, I talk about it in my stand up, has just been like crazy. I was um, with someone who was dealing with her own mental illness, and um, it impacted me like a lot because like I'm a big empath, and so I'll absorb you know a lot of people's feelings, and and so half my stuff with mental health sometimes is just you know, providing myself that self-soothing and self-care, but also um, putting up like a healthy amount of wall, like, you know, keeping people at a a healthy distance energetically, not letting their energy kind of like seep through, which is really difficult. So I sort of have to kind of protect my energy and try to just focus on my own self-care stuff. But I have like a, because I am a healthcare provider, like I do really try to like practice what I preach. And I have like a a whole list in my room. You should see of like of my self-care stuff. And then my, my best friend is a therapist, which helps. Um, She's not my therapist, but (laughs) that wouldn't be appropriate, but that helps to have people. She created this like, um, this whole, uh, I, I gotta send you a picture. It's like this, uh, decision tree of like, are you feeling good? Okay. Then don't great, but don't cling on to the feeling of happiness. Do you feel bad? Okay. What's going on? Did you eat? Did you sleep? Okay. Yes. And then it just keeps going and it's really awesome. So I call it now my panic wall. So I, and I, I'm like a type a, like this, is what helps me is like, like it's a double-edged sword to be like type A and super like, you know, um, regimented because when something falls out of my control, 
then I get really anxious. And so I have, that's my issue is like control stuff and trying to like, just sit with, I guess we all have trouble sitting with what we can't control. Like for you, if it's like health related, oddly enough, I'm not afraid of death. I'm kind of at peace with the idea. I'm like, Hey, it might be, at least there's no suffering. So I'm pretty at peace with that for someone who has a lot of like anxiety and like depression. But, um, I, I don't know. I've been in therapy for the last like year and a half and just trying to work through. So the first year was just trying to get through my breakup. And now I was just really working more on the spiritual stuff. My therapist like also does like Reiki and she's into like Ram Dass and like, she, she's the perfect like integration of like psychotherapy and some of like, the more spiritual holistic stuff. And that's something I've been gravitating towards. And that's brought me a lot of peace. And that's helped me, especially through the pandemic is when I sort of took my meditation practice really seriously. And just like, um, yeah, I hear you talk about the calm app. I love the calm app. That's a really great way to dive into meditation, but it's just the culmination of things that help me feel better. It's never like one thing. And like I, I was saying before, like five minutes before the podcast, I like broke down crying. Cause I got an email about my, like something that I didn't want to like some personal thing I didn't want to deal with. And then I call my friend and she's like, it's a fine, whatever. And she like, calm me down. I'm like, all right, here we go. Ready to talk about food. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> you're nailing it. Um, and first of all, I love Ram Das and your therapist sounds great. Um, but yeah, I mean, sometimes I think I get, um, too much, uh, what do you call it? Advice and, and help. So I'm like, I got the, the calm app and the waking up app and I got sobriety and I got friends I call. And then I'm like, I'll have a moment of anxiety or stress. And I'm like, wait, should I accept this or do I let it go? Or do I say yes? Or do I meditate? Do I take an action or do I like, sometimes it's almost too much. I'm like, I'd be better off with, with one source of all this, but then I also feel like I need to constantly be having positive reinforcement and stuff. I mean, is that something you're not? You need like multiple tools and you want, yeah. But sometimes, so I actually like this happened to me. I burnt out on my self-care stuff that it got to a point that it was defeating the whole purpose. So when it comes to that, you have to ask yourself is right now is doing something going to help me. Is it actually moving me towards my overall goal of feeling at peace and, you know, just being in the moment or is it, am I just doing this to check off a box? Because right. for me, it was like checking off a box because I'm like, all right, I did this. I, blah, yes. I worked out. I, I should feel good now. Right. Right. Yeah. Why am I not feeling good? Why am I sad? Why am I crying? It's I've had the <laughs> so, same exact thing. Yeah. Where I'm like, I went to the gym. I did my meditation. I did 11 push ups and whatever. I, I still don't feel great. I called my buddy. Why do I still feel like shit? It's the exact, I, I feel the exact same way of like, I did all the things I do to feel better and I still don't feel better. And you realize it's not about the destination at all. It's about just maintaining these habits and that they will help mitigate the circumstances and your reactions to those things. And, you know, with the meditation, of course, it's putting distance between you and your thoughts and allowing yourself to have that space to, um, you know, you know, make those decisions, um, that are right for you instead of just feeling like, cause there are no rules. Like at the, I like what I do is make up these really rigid rules and then abide by them. And then you feel resentful of like, why do I have to follow these rules? And I'm like, wait, there, you made up these rules. You don't have to do this if you don't want to, but I'm such a like, I really need to like keep myself in control. Cause I feel like it's like spinning plates all the time. And if one falls, they're all going to fall. So for me, it's like everything is just kind of like keeping everything going at the same time. Like, and there's just always like a million one things kind of happening in my head. But um, I wanted one of the best Ram quote, uh, Ram Das quotes that I've uh, listened to, at least it's really pretty much, I would say, defined my depression in a way. Um, it's on, uh, there's a recording on interpreting happiness. Anyone can look it up, Ram Das interpreting happiness. And he talks about how, you know, sadness is not the polar opposite of happiness, the same way as love is not the polar opposite of hate, but rather, you know, happiness is being at peaceful harmony with what is not the way things should be, but just being at peace with the universe, which is essentially acceptance. But one part that he said, which really clicked with me is like, when you're coming out, when you're coming up for air from a lot of sadness, you want to cling to your happiness. But once you cling to it, then it's got you and then you can slip back into the sadness. And that to and so you want to accept sadness as part of your happiness and integrate it. And that to me was like, 
that's it. The second I'm feeling any sort of happiness, like now I'm on an upswing and I'll just be like grasping. Like I can't, I can't slip back there, but rather than, you know, clinging on to like the, whatever's happening right now, just like moving through, you know, there's moving through just like letting the boat kind of like, you know, coast and, you know, just sit and enjoy the sweet moments. And then if something else happens, but I'm always waiting for the other shoe to drop. And that's where my anxiety is. It's like when things are good, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. When things are bad, I'm like, of course they're bad. Right. And they'll, they'll never be good again. <laughs> yeah, no, I have that. That's perfectly well said. I completely identify. I feel the same way. I remember similarly, a guy, a sober friend of mine said, uh, he was talking about how good he felt and his you know, daughter was visiting and they were getting along and his wife was getting along. And uh, he's like, I've never felt better. I just feel great. And then he said, uh, this too shall pass, which I never heard anyone say about a positive. He's like, it works. If that's the, what you say for the negative, that also has to exist for the, yeah. the positive is that this will pass yeah. also. Well, that's where I'm like, am I being unrealistic here when I tell people, yeah, I'm on an upswing and surely the pendulum is going to swing back because that's just the nature of things. And they're like, stop being negative. And I'm just like, no, no, I'm at peace with that. Like, I'm not saying something horrible right now is going to happen, but like inevitably shit happens. Like it's life. It's never going to be like smooth sailing. You're going to bump into stuff. And I think we have to also get to the point, or at least for me, I had to recognize like, you're never done. The work is never done. You're never just like sitting back and you're like, everything's good now. It's just self, like your mental health is constant maintenance. And a lot of, it's hard to put in the work, but what you get out of it, you know, again, discomfort is the price of admission to meaningful life. It'll make you, you'll get so much more out of it than you put in. So it's kind of an investment of your time and energy. Right. Yeah. No, that is a constant struggle. And, um, my therapist, and I've talked about this before, said this early on where I kept, I was, uh, battling to be happy. I was just fighting. Like, I want to be happy. Like you said, it was like trying to climb up out of a, a hole and like, like as though I'm going to get out of it and just sit and pull up a lawn chair on happiness. And, um, he was like, he kept saying, why do you feel that way? Why do you want that? And I was like, well, of course you want to be happy. Everyone wants to be happy. And he's like, well, not all the time. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? And I remember he brought up like, he's like, well, what if your mother died? Would you want to be happy in that situation? You're like, no, you would want to be, then you would want to be sad. So it's like, you do need all of these feelings and emotions. You can't just live in this mm-hmm. bliss, which is not right. real anyways. It's more um, content is what you want or at peace. Like you said, peace, peace. is what you want. Acceptance a peaceful harmony with everything that is. Yeah. That's why I literally wrote it on my wall. Cause I'm like, I have to, I have these quotes everywhere around my, that help me like, yeah. Um, people probably think I'm nuts when they come over or just have like a million things. Um, but I need visuals and I need reminders. Um, but you said something about, uh, wanting to be happy and something I think was in the book is that, um, you the wanting to be happy and the pursuit of happiness is uh, contrary to happiness itself because happiness itself is just being in the moment and being, you know, being present. Right. So if you're trying to pursue happiness, that's the opposite of happiness. Right. No, that's the good point. It's antithetical to happiness. You can't, yeah, you can't do those at the same time. Yeah. And it's such a, a hard thing to remember. And it is a, a matter. And then I don't know if you're an Eckhart Tolle fan, but he's another guy that yes. I just love. love Eckhart. Yeah. I just love yeah. him. And uh, I always try to remember, and I talk about it on this podcast all the time is that thing of when you're unhappy or sad or angry, you kind of take that moment to be like, well, what is wrong right now? And if you just kind of sit there and that's where like focusing on your breath and just being is it almost the answer is almost always nothing. It's always nothing. you're outside of your, your, the present and, and thinking about your future tripping about something. Absolutely. Yes. I love that you used the term. Yeah. I love, I love all the term, the, the terms for like, it helps me. It will, it helps you uh, kind of calm down. And like when you name an emotion or you name something that you're doing, or I do like black and white thinking and catastrophizing, like those are my big cognitive distortions as my therapist says. Can you tell I've been in therapy? Okay. Um, but yeah, I love Eckhart Tolle, what he says about just kind of being in the present. The Power of Now is a great book. And that nothing is going wrong. And if there are things and you're, you're going to be like, what do you mean nothing's going wrong? I've got, you know, kids to take care of, mouths to feed. Those are life circumstances is what he's saying. Those are just, that is life. Um, something that helped me also with travel. I think maybe you, do you get stressed out when like a 
things are delayed. Like I lose my shit if a flight is delayed. Yes. Like I can't handle it. Um, I hate when I travel. I like Deepak Chopra said something um, about that. He's like, if you, um, you know, stop acting the way things like should be and just accept the way things are, then nothing can ever go wrong. Right. So, so that's, uh, and that's, I guess, similar to, uh, live life as if you've chosen the, whatever, what's that for saying, but basically like, just go with it. Go right, with the right. flow. And that's helped me realize, Oh, nothing's actually gone wrong because it's not, this is not the way. I, Cause I'm like, I was supposed to leave at 8am. It's like, no, this is the way things are supposed to be. You're leaving at 10am. Your flight got delayed two hours. This is how things are supposed to be. Right. And just accepting that as like the reality and learning to adapt. Like you just got to adapt and like, like go with the flow and like, get with agenda because yeah. life's moving with or without. Oh, right. Uh, by the way, there's something of, uh, interesting about um, gratitude as it sounds like your entire neighborhood is just burning to the ground right now. As you're, as you're talking, it's like, hold on. No, I mean, it's, it's fine. I'm going to close the window. Okay. Should okay. I? Should, if you want to, whatever you want. Um, but it's funny. A theory is uh, closing the window now. Um, Had to crawl over my AC unit. Here. Um, no, it's, but it is funny to be like, it gives me an amount of gratitude. Sometimes I mean, it's, I feel bad um, feeling gratitude because someone else is suffering. But the idea of hearing people in an ambulance or somebody's house burning down as I'm just sitting yeah. here um, podcasting, it does help put things in perspective. Now, Shafi and I talked a bunch about stoicism. It sounds like maybe that might be something you're into as well. Have you read any of yes. those books? Because that's basically what you were I just talking about. Yeah, I picked up stoicism and then I got like quarter way through and then I start read emotional agility because a coworker um, had recommended it. And then it, I watched a talk by Susan David um, and then I saw that and then I downloaded her book and I was like, this is amazing. So I want to go back to stoicism, but um, it seems like, yeah, from what I understand, it is that similar kind of like acceptance of the way things are. But I feel like I struggle with taming my happiness when things are going well, because it's like you either like don't want to get too like stuck to the idea, right? You don't want to cling on to that feeling of, okay, things are going well, but how do you just like enjoy it, but not uh, cling on to it? That's where I struggle. Um, but I've heard you talk about how you have the opposite problem where you have trouble kind of, and correct me if I'm wrong, kind of like finding joy in the moment of the thing or having it like really click with you? Yeah. So something I have struggled with and I've gotten much, much, much better at it through work is that always a, a few years ago, way more so is um, the more enjoyable something should be, the more in, in my head I would get, I would get. Mm. And I had that even when I was a kid, that goes all the way back to being like a young kid. And I remember being like, seven or eight and my father taking me like the Red Sox game and I would immediately be like shit it's already the third inning like this is almost over and then I won't be able to the game will be over the thing I've been waiting for and excited about and in the middle of it I remember being like I said like a child worrying about it already ending so there's been so many concerts and and festivals and movies that I've gone to that in the middle of it I just feel as I'm like I've been anxious the last half hour I haven't even noticed the song and there's so many concerts I'll listen to like the bootleg later. And I'm like, God, this is a magical, but I'm like, only I was there yeah, mentally. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like when I was there, I wasn't even, there was a guy behind me that, you know, spilled beer on me or this one, there was a fat guy recording it on his phone or whatever, which are obviously annoying things, but I didn't have the, you know, wherewithal to be like, except that's how it's happening. That's what's going on or whatever. And that happens to me a lot at, at movies. I'll just, I'll, someone's, looking at their phone or talking, whatever it is. And I just obsess about that person of sh should I say something? Should I not say something for hours? So that's kind of a side different thing, but similar in that. And I'm just not present for a lot of those things that happens to me a lot. Yeah. I, I would say, yeah. I mean, it sounds like you're doing the things, you know, like meditation, reading, like the right things that put you in the present. For me, it's like somehow in the last year or two, like my, I used to be very, very, very anxious. Like everyone in my family has anxiety. It's just like, and it switched. I, I got 
control of my anxiety, then it like manifested now into depression. <laughs> now I just flipped. Now I'm on the depression side of, of things. So, but now it's gotten a little better. Like, I, like the last few weeks have been kind of like, all right, I'm, I, I'm stabilizing. Cause I was quarantining in Alabama with my family. That was a whole nother thing. So I couldn't wait to, when I came back to New York and things were calmed down. Cause I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I, I don't know if I'm going to have a place to come back to or that for me. And I'm sure for everybody was like the height of anxiety, but it's all about the unknown. And like, how do you accept the unknown and realize, Hey, I actually don't have control in the matter. So I'm trying to like live, but make, so be it (laughs) like my life motto, just like, so be it fine. Like, let's. Yeah. See what happens. Well, it's hard. I mean, that's what I, I, and it's funny you said you've been shifting more to the depression side because that's how I felt the last, um, not day, but like the last, like, I don't know, 20 hours or so is this feeling of despair in the the state of our society. And, um, you know, I don't, I, I try not to get too political on the show, but the idea that like there's millions of people that are just flat out science deniers is just, uh, <laughs> mind blow and just a bummer and, uh, and frustrating. So there's things where you're like, boy, the entire one coast is on fire and then there's hurricane after hurricane in the Gulf coast. And you're like, this is cause for despair. But like you said, I have to remind myself that I'm like, I can only do what I can do. That can't, that's not for me to control. And I don't know what will happen. So that's not really worrying does not really help or, or being, despair. And my therapist always says being angry is actually more helpful than uh, being depressed about it to be angry at, you know, whatever or whoever. Yeah. Um, Well, worry is just like giving ourselves a false sense of control. Right. And then, you know, there's something called like productive worrying and unproductive worrying. Um, I think they talked about in the Calm app too, is like, right. Productive worrying is something that you can actually do something about. And unproductive worrying is just something like you have no control over. Cause 99% of the stuff we worry about doesn't come to fruition, but the things that are happening in the world and that we're worried about, yeah, we should be worried and take action. Um, but not just worried, but like, let's just take action instead of being pan- like, that doesn't help anyone to just be worried and panicked, but let's just do something anything. Right. And, you know, at least it's some contribution, at least it makes you feel like, and even just like get taking a step towards getting better or towards taking any kind of action towards something. I feel like that automatically makes me feel better. Yeah. I mean, and then at least you're, yeah, you're taking an action and you're participating. You at least feel like you're part of the solution. You're taking an active lead in your life. Yeah. You're part of the solution. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's hard not to despair, but it is a thing of this too shall pass. That feeling will pass. And um, yeah, like you said, uh, 95% of the things we worry about, like there's a Tom Petty lyric, as sure as night follows day, most things I worry about never happen anyway. And um, and there's also always the thing too, it's like you worry about, I've spent so much time worrying about whatever it is, climate change or bird flu, all this stuff. And there is still this thing of you walk outside and get hit by a cab and all that was didn't matter anyways. Or who would have predicted this? Right. Exactly. Who would have? Yeah. Uh, if you've been worried about COVID-19, please call in. Right. We want to know. Right. So there's, you never know. And um, I, I, I also, we're running out of uh, time here because I usually do about an hour, but I also want to ask, so you grew up, this is interesting. You alluded to growing up somewhere. I don't even know where. And then also yeah, you I'm, lived in Alabama. I'm Palestinian. I was born in Alabama, then moved to Palestine when I was six months, uh, till I was like four or five and moved back to Pal- uh, back to Alabama. So I grew up kind of back and forth. And then, um, yeah, so my family's Palestinian, but because of the political situation there, we kept moving back and forth. Um, I don't know why my dad moved to Alabama. I think it was just my uncle knew a family from there, which is kind of crazy because, uh, my other uncle like moved to Nicaragua. My grandfather lived in Colombia. It's just weird. My uncle's like Alabama. That's where I'm going to go. I mean, that is like (laughs) fascinating. That must've been, I imagine that's a very small number of people that move from Palestine to Alabama. It was when I grew up there, but now like when I went back, I was like, Oh, there's like quite a little community here. No kidding. Um, uh, and when did you move to, did any of your family move to New York or they're all still in Alabama? They're like, I have a brother in Florida. My parents are in Alabama and two brothers are in Alabama. Um, but when I moved to New York, my parents had 
you know, retired and were planning to just stay in Palestine, but then they moved back a few years ago at as they tend to do. But I moved to New York um, 12 years ago. Oh, okay. Um, 13 years ago. And do you have memories of being in Palestine? And what, what was that like? And was that a source of some of your anxiety? Is there oh, trauma there? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So I lived there throughout like the first and second like uprising. And, you know, anyone that's interested can read about the situation. If you don't, if you've been living under a rock um, for the last 70 years. <laughs> Wait, but, Iraq is a different country. Uh, yeah, if you've been living under Iraq or Iran. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, God, it's terrible for me. Uh, um, not, not, yours, uh, uh, <laughs> not yours, my Iran. Not yours, my Iran riff just died. Please cut it. this out, Joe. I liked Here's it. my anxiety. I, I loved it. Oh, Lord. I love any kind of pun. Thank you. Um, all right. So, so yeah, so there's some, there's some disagreements, uh, very un- unstable political situation. Like, you know, lived through a lot of like shootings, bombings, like terrible, terrible shit. But at the same time, you don't realize you're being traumatized when you're told that you, you were traumatized. Like my therapist keeps bringing back, like, you know, some of like my uncertainty stuff or, Oh, here's a big one. I treat every decision like it's life or death. Like me deciding to book a plane ticket back to New York was like after the pandemic or after like quarantine um, was like a source of like nonstop anxiety for me. It kept me up. I couldn't sleep because I couldn't make a decision because I was scared it'd be the wrong one. And she was like, you know, maybe like you're treating this as life or death because when you live there, you have those decisions were life and death when to leave and when to do this, like every decision did actually um, mean that much and have hold that much weight. And so, and I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, really? Like she keeps it, like every therapist telling me like, there's, let's talk about trauma from there. I'm like, oh man, I'm sure there's trauma, but like, let's talk about my dating life. You know, right. like when do we get to the stuff happening now? There's, so we sort of like during quarantine went back and forth between like family trauma and like living back in Palestine. But I grew up there until I used to go every summer. I was there a couple of um, years ago where I had my engagement. (laughs) I haven't been back since my cousin got married last year. And I was like, I'm too embarrassed to go face like a family wedding. And everyone's like looking at me like, what happened? Um, They're like, finally, she's in her thirties. We thought she'd never get married. And then now I just didn't want to face anyone. I'm like, damn, I wish I went last year because now the world shut down. But um, I, yeah, I, I would go every year when we didn't live there. And I would say probably at this point lived a third of my life in Alabama, Palestine, New York, it seems. Wow. That is, I mean, that's, uh, it feels like to me a very unique grouping of places. Like I lived in, why, I lived in yeah, Boston, in New York. Comedy. Yeah, a lot, a lot more common. Um, but yeah, that's that's uh, that's wild. But uh, the Middle East in general is just—I uh, always say I've, I've been there enough, and I think I'm done. It just feels very—it's too much. It's very stressful and um, cool. I got I got thumbtacks in there, but uh, I'm good. It's you're yeah, good. Yeah, it's, uh, you've seen it. Yeah. Well, no now offense. it's probably not a good time to go anywhere, but especially the Middle East. I don't. Know. It's all burning down, but what is it? Yeah, unfortunately, so is this country. So, who knows? But we gotta stay hopeful. Yeah, I mean, I I I talk about that all the time. I'm like, I gotta have hope because the alternative is just uh, despair. I mean, we have to have some hope, and with societarily, I try to have hope in. Um, I, I always say this, but like, not in any moral things saving us, but that, um, capitalism will save us in that there's so much money in saving the world that somebody will come right. up with a, a seawall that we'll shoots up on the ground. Be yeah. like part of the collateral, like, or damage, but not damage of like, someone will be, will just happen to survive because someone needed to like save their yacht and we'll just be like hanging on to the sides. So we'll, we'll survive. Yeah, we'll get uh, <laughs> carbon capture or something. Hopefully some people will just get fed up with social media and we'll be on it less. Maybe. I, I don't know. I don't know how oh, it's going to work. It just seems like there's more and more. I can't keep up with this TikTok and every, I'm like, I can't, I, I can't keep doing this. It's giving me also so much stress and anxiety. I hate it. I hate it so much. No, well, I always hate myself and I'm like mad at myself for social media stuff. But then I'm like, I listen to some other people or watch other people or hear about things. And I'm like, I think I'm better than most where I'm like, I'm not on Reddit or TikTok or WhatsApp yeah, I'm not on, or any dating yeah, sites, obviously. But so I'm like, I just... <laughs> And I deleted the Twitter app, so I'm like, I'm doing okay, but it's not 
doesn't look good for our society right now, but we yeah. can all be mindful. I, I think mindfulness is the most helpful thing that everyone should do. I think we should teach it in school and um, yes. work on all this stuff, mental health. And that's what we're trying to do with this uh, podcast. So I have some hope. You have some hope for this society? I do have some hope. And it's so nice also, you know, talking to other like-minded individuals and people. And I think that's important to also just surround yourself with other people who have, um, you know, a similar mindset about this stuff. Because if you're just online and pe- or talking to people who just think that everything's going to shit and nothing's ever going to get better, that also influences, like, I mean, just who you surround yourself with is really important. I, I think that affects our mental health um, a lot because, you know, two people can interpret the same bad news but have a completely different attitude or perspective and energy. And it doesn't mean like if we're being hopeful that we're also being, um, you know, kind of dismissive of everything that's going on in the world, but we have to be hopeful. I mean, what else are we going to do? Yeah, exactly. Without, with no hope, there's no hope. <laughs> um, well said. Not to get too, too philosophical there. Um, well, thank you very much for doing the show. I mean, I enjoyed the hell out of the conversation. Where can people find you? Tell everybody your your social medias and your shows and all that good stuff. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. Thanks for having me. Um, you can follow me at Ethereum I'm on Instagram. I have a website, ethereum And I have a podcast called The No Fly List. So you can find us at No Fly List Pod. And we're on iTunes, Spotify, all that stuff. So yeah, check me out there. Thank you so much, Joe. Thanks for doing this. I mean, really, people need to hear this, um, you know, in your podcast. I mean, not just me, but your podcast has been really awesome. It's gotten, I'm sure, a lot of people, not just me, through the pandemic. Oh, that so makes me feel good. I really enjoy that it. That really makes me feel good. I appreciate it. And thank you for having me. And um, yeah. Mindful Metal Jacket is hosted by comedian Joe List. Produced by Joe List. Edited by Matt Kleinschmidt. Executive producers Robert Kelly and Matt Kleinschmidt for the Laugh Button Podcasts.